0: are in week 3 of our series a heart for the kingdom. Again, we are not going to play it safe and we are not going to pray it safe. In fact, here's our heart for the kingdom prayer. I want to keep challenging you as we go through this series that you would make this a prayer that you own. That you would say, "Heavenly Father, break our hearts what breaks yours. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done." And oh God, would you actually use me. Church, let's pray that. And let's really pray that God's kingdom will come and that his will will be done right here in us. But we wouldn't just think, okay, this is for everyone else, but that God would actually use us. You know, we talked about how oftentimes our prayers are too safe. Again, there's nothing wrong with actually praying for safety, but man, I really believe God wants us to pray boldly. As if he still is the God who can move mountains. As if he still is the one who is mighty to save. In fact, does anybody know what the Great Commission is? Anyone ever heard of the Great Commission before? Okay, all right, a couple people. Here's what the Great Commission is. Okay, and this is where people usually think the Great Commission starts. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Most people think that the Great Commission starts right here where Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that is so good. And that is part of the Great Commission. But do you know what the Great Commission actually begins? Back up a little bit to verse 17. It says, when they saw him. When the disciples saw Jesus after he had resurrected from the dead, when they thought that it was over, but it wasn't, this Jesus who is God bodily rose from the dead. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but scripture says, but some doubted and Jesus came to them and said this to them. And this is where the great commission actually begins. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Look, some worshiped him. When they saw that Jesus had risen from the dead, some of them were like, look, this guy said he was gonna die, and then he actually said he was going to resurrect. And then he actually did it. And they said, if someone predicts their own death, predicts they're going to rise from the dead. And then they actually do it. They were like, let's go. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do whatever he says. And they were ready to go. But scripture also says that some of them doubted. Still a little bit of worry, still a little bit of, conf- a little bit of fear, a little bit of concern and really wondering what in the world does this actually mean as Jesus is calling us and don't miss this church. Look in the middle of hearts, some of them filled with worship, some of them ready to go. Some of them filled with some concern and doubt and fear and worry. Jesus said in all of that, in all of that, all authority has been given to me that's on earth and in heaven. In other words, Whatever it is that you're thinking and feeling in those moments, whether when God has called you and you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. Or whether you're like, God, I'm still so concerned. I don't know exactly what this means. And all of that, Jesus said, submit all of that to me and then go with me. Look, church, the Great Commission, it is a kingdom building directive for the follower of Jesus. And if you read the Great Commission, notice that there's nothing in there about safety But right in that great commission, there is a promise. When Jesus said that we are to go, what did he also tell us? In fact, put verse 20 back up there, Steve. Can you put verse 20 back up there? Nope. Okay. (laughs) All right. Verse 20, Jesus says this, right? He says, and behold, here's the promise that Jesus gives. He says, And behold, I am with you. What's the word that he used? Always. Always he's going to be with us. Man, Christ will be with us always. Come on again, church. Like this great commission, it is a kingdom building directive. And the kingdom of God is wherever, in whomever, his rule and reign is established. Man, I've been really praying in this season that it'd be more people who are worshiping God, following God, trusting in Him, more people living out and living in God's rule and reign in every single area of their lives. And as we keep going through this series, look, I want to keep asking you the question. Look, where is your heart? Look, church, what is it that actually has your heart? And maybe even a better question to ask you today is what is it you're actually building? What are you building right now? Come on, students in the room. Some of you right now are getting ready to graduate high school this year. Some of you are getting ready to graduate college this year. And what is it you're going to build with this one life that you've been given? Look, are you going to build a life where it's all about you? Are you going to build a life where you're focused on fun, inconsequential relationships? Are you building a life where you simply want to get paid and you are thinking about how much money will I make? And it's all about you, man. Are you building a life right now where the only focus is to arrive in comfort? Come on church, everyone in the room, are you building your own kingdom? Church, we are to build God's kingdom. It's where he reigns and it's where God reigns in every single area of our lives, that's our relationships, man, it's our finances and possessions, it's our future hopes and dreams, it's where God even reigns over our fear or our worry and our anxiety, Where even just like Nehemiah said last week when he said, I was very much afraid, it's where we still trust in the Lord, and we trust in his sovereignty, we submit that fear to him, and we still take a step, Come on, the kingdom of God is where we choose Christ over culture. It's where if the Lord has said it, we submit to it full stop. It's where we're going to follow him in every single area of our lives. In fact, today we're going to see in Nehemiah chapter 3 that the story actually jumps into showing all the people that would participate in the rebuilding of this wall. Now remember, look, the people are going to participate in this kingdom building project in this actual building project. But what the Lord is really pointing to more than anything is yes, this wall was broken down. Yes, it was in great trouble, but he's really pointing to the spiritual condition of the people, that they are in great trouble, that they are in great shame and they need to turn their kingdom attention and a focus back to the Lord. In fact, that's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. Man, Nehemiah's heart was broken for what breaks the heart of God. And the news that he received redirected Nehemiah's heart. It ignited his humanly perspective with some godly purpose. It ignited his humanly perspective with some godly vision. In fact, last week we talked about pursuing the vision. Come on, church, remember, don't get distracted. Pursue God's kingdom agenda. Pursue God's kingdom vision. You know, um, Bethany Lay, who is our executive director of engagement, I think she's sitting right over there. Wave at everyone, Bethany. Yeah, Bethany, no, not you, other Bethany. I said Bethany Lay, not Bethany Picard, okay? Bethany Lay, who is our executive director of engagement here at the church. Look, she says this about vision, and I thought it was so good, I wanted to share it with you. She says, vision without action is nothing more than a dream. In fact, vision without action can even turn into a nightmare. Church, we're gonna see here today in this passage that this vision that God laid on Nehemiah's heart, that this vision that caused him to move to action was going to ignite the people's regular everyday perspective with some godly vision, with some godly purpose, but it also moved them to action. In fact, this week's sermon title is called Vision to Action. When vision and action actually go together, I'm going to turn in your Bibles digital or analog to Nehemiah chapter three. And as you're turning there, look, there's just one more note I want to give you before we get into the passage today. Look, those of you who are regular attendants, you know that I've said before that, look, when it comes to reading God's word, that most of God's word really is so simple to understand. No matter where you're at spiritually, man, you can open the Bible and you can understand it. Man, God has designed it where his whole word from beginning to end has been telling this story about how he created us and how he desired to have a relationship with us. But man, it is our sin that breaks us. It is our sin that separates us. It is our sin that draws us far away from God. Man, God keeps pursuing his people. God has His desire to call people out of their sin and their shame and bring them into a relationship with him. Like the whole Bible tells this incredible story about the pursuit of God. And of course we see that come to fruition in Christ where even though it is our sin that separates us, God made a way through Jesus Christ. That is Jesus who is God. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Look, he bodily rose from the the dead, making a way, making a way that we could actually have a relationship with our heavenly father, making a way that we can actually experience life right now to the full. No matter what storm may come, no matter what trouble we may face, whatever it is we're going through, With Christ in our lives, we are going to make it through. But if that weren't good enough, man, the story of the Bible tells this incredible picture that when this life on earth here is over, that is not it. We get to be with our heavenly father. We've repented of our sins and believe in who Jesus is. And most of that you can see all throughout scripture. It is so simple, this incredible story that God has been telling for generations. Remember how I said there's also a small portion And when you read it, it's a bit complicated. So today is one of those passages where there are some complicated things. And actually the principles in it are really simple. I'm gonna pull those principles out for you but some of the parts I'm going to read, look, is a a bit complicated because of a long list of names and tasks and gates and jobs and positions and houses and districts. And again, all of them have a purpose and all of them are ultimately pointing to the fact that when vision meets action, man, something powerful happens. And so I want to share, with, share this with you today. And then along with our senior pastor, Pastor Sean Brown, man, we're going to show you today how vision and action go together and how even with this, as we see the vision that God has given our church and how we can be moved to action, how we can fuel this action, what God wants to do at Coastal Church as he builds his kingdom agenda. So are you ready to get into the word of God today? Look, if you're ready, say amen. I remember church, look, if you see something good here in God's word, like it is okay to say amen. It's okay to slap your neighbor, even if I didn't tell you, okay? Man, we are excited for what God teaches in his word. Look, it is living and active. This is out, this is not out of date. Look, this is right on time for us today. Look, Nehemiah chapter three, starting in verse one. Now listen to me, okay? Don't make fun of me too if I mess up some of these names, all right? I've been practicing them, but even some of them still trip me up, all right? So don't make fun of me, but follow along as I read Nehemiah chapter three, starting in verse one. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priest, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the tower of the hundred and as far as the tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zechor, the son of Imri built. The sons of Hasena built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Meramoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Barakiah, the son of, oh boy, Mesh Mesheshabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Bena, repaired. Now jump down to verse seven. And next to them, repaired Mal- Malatia, the Gibeonite, Jadon, the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. And next to him, Uziel, the son of Harhiah, goldsmiths, repaired. And next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And next to them, Raphiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. And next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumath, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabananah, repaired. And then Malkijah, the son of Harum, and Hasub, the son of Path Path Pathath Moab, repaired. Another section in the tower of the ovens. And next to him, Shalom, the, the son of Haloish, the ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. Okay, church, why did I read all those names to you? All the gates and all the tasks and all these parts that were repaired. Okay. This is, this is what the scripture is showing here where vision meets action. Okay. Number one, write this down. When vision meets action. Look, this passage shows us that everyone, everyone participated to push forward the actual building. Look, everyone pushed forward to actually participate, to push forward the actual building. Church, remember this, for 150 years, 150 years of people have been looking at this mess. And we're gonna see like, this is the moment that marks where it would take 52 days with some godly vision and with some action for this kingdom building project to actually be completed. And just look at this passage again and tell me that what's happening here isn't a picture of what I believe God wants to do here at Coastal Church in Chesapeake. Look, we see from this passage here that the people here, look, it was multi-generational. Look, we see sons and daughters, young and old, all working together. Man, the sons of Uriah, the daughters of Shalom, all working together. We see that they were multi-vocational. Man, we see the goatsmiths, and the perfumers, and the rulers, and the priests. In fact, it wasn't just the priests doing the work. It wasn't just the retirees doing the work. But it was every age and stage, all these different vocations coming together. In fact, the scripture doesn't even say that they left their vocations. It said that alongside doing their vocation, they came to do this kingdom building project. And it was also right there where they were. You know, sometimes we think when it comes to building God's kingdom, I don't know when we kind of got into the mindset that it really is everywhere else out there. And yes, again, the Great Commission, we are to go to every single nation and to make disciples of every nation. But don't forget that part of going is also right where you are. Look, the people, they were right there where they were, and God used them alongside their vocation to participate in this kingdom-building agenda. We see that everyone participated to push this vision forward, to push forward this building project. And we also see that there were both men and women working on this kingdom building. Both men and women participated in this kingdom building. In fact, look at verse 12 again. It says, next to him, Shalom, the son of Haloesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters, he and his daughters repaired. You know, Shalom's daughters here work to do the repairs as well. Look, God has called women in his kingdom to have these strategic positions of responsibility that must, must be both acknowledged and also respected. Man, the strength of godly women. Look, they are not to be ignored and it's not to be sidelined or bypassed, but utilized. Again, people try to say that the Bible undervalues women, but I love how even here, look, the scriptures take a moment to acknowledge that these kingdom-minded women leaned in to help build God's kingdom right here. Look, church, the world needs, the church needs more godly women who are about God's kingdom agenda to use both their leadership skills, Look, they're servants, hard skills, they're skills to love people, to build God's kingdom, to actually work toward the work that God is doing. But see, I love the fact that this chapter also includes a list and the names of all these men. Look, these guys have been there a long time doing nothing. Hey, remember that part of Satan's great strategy and also his great victory at times is to keep men from their responsibility. Dr. Tony Evans, pastor and theologian, he says it this way about this verse. He says, look, if you are going to rebuild families and communities, you are going to need men to stop wimping out and making excuses. He says, look, there is a place for sports. Come on, Dallas Cowboys fans. There is a place for sports and entertainment, but all of that is secondary to what men were created to do. Look, manhood requires responsibility and it requires men to actually accept the responsibilities that God himself has given us. And whenever men are being irresponsible, you are not being a kingdom man. I love how these men, look, they saw the need and actually stepped up and they did what they were supposed to do. Come on, men in the church, like we need to do what it is that God has called us to do. And we see that both men and women joined in on this kingdom building agenda. I and mean, we also see here that they were, they were unified. The, the people were united. They were unified. Again, Nehemiah led with this incredible vision for the kingdom and it unified the people around this common goal. And then all of a sudden the work actually begins to get done. Again, different people all following God, some local, some from other regions around the area, men and women, young and old, all sorts of backgrounds united under one God, united under one agenda. Look, it is the prayer of Jesus that his people would be united. But you know what? It is the plan of the enemy that God's people would be divided. Is there any wonder that Satan works so hard to divide nations? Is there any wonder why Satan works so hard to divide families and marriages? Is it any wonder why he works so hard to divide the church? Man, Jesus prayed for the unity of his followers. But Satan plans for division. Again, church, which agenda do you want to follow? Which agenda are you building your life on? Come on, right now in your life, is there division? Right now in your life, are you sowing seeds of division or are you actually pursuing unity under God's kingdom agenda? Look, the apostle Paul, he would, he would say this same thing to the church in Ephesus In Ephesians chapter four, verse one, Paul says, look, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. He says, I urge you, church. He says, I urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He says, with all humility and gentleness and patience, with patience, bearing with one another in love. He says, eager, in verse three, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. He says, there is one body, One spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Man, church, we see that these people were united under God's kingdom agenda. Man, they were passionate about following the Lord. And this is the vision for the church that we would develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. That we would connect, grow, serve, and multiply. That this would be a multi-ethnic church, multi-generational church where everyone really can come here and grow in the Lord and actually find their purpose and their calling in him. Man, that is the calling that we have as a church and that we would actually be unified in that. What if we were the answer to Jesus' prayer? What if when we're praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, right here at 1832 Elbow Road? What if we really were the answer to Jesus's prayer right here, where we were not sponsors of the vision, but this incredible unity that comes under a gospel-centered kingdom agenda that the Lord wants for us? What if his will was done right here in this place? Man, we see that when vision meets action, people from all generations come together under God's kingdom agenda. We see men and women, young and old, every age and stage, every background coming together to move forward God's kingdom agenda. Church, what if we built that right here? But we also see here from this passage that when vision and action come together, number two, write this down. Everyone participated to actually push forward the vision. Look, first, everyone participated to push forward the actual building they were moved to action, but underlying that, we see that everyone was participating, actually pushing forward the vision. Look, this vision had purpose. Look back in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Then Elishab, the high priest, look, he rose up with his brothers, the priest, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it, and they set its doors. Man, for the longest time, people were living in a state of compromise. And again, as this godly kingdom agenda comes across their way, man, we see people moving toward what God was calling them to do. And it's so interesting here that the first gate that they actually start working on, they consecrate. And it was this thing called the sheep gate. Look, no other gates were consecrated except for this one gate. Does anyone know what would eventually come through the sheep gate, once everything was restored. Anybody know what will actually come through that sheep gate? Sheep, yeah. I mean, again, the Bible's clear, right? But those sheep, they will be used for the atonement of the sins of the people. So here is God, again, saying, look, this is not just about uh, wood beams and bricks and rebuilding walls. Like There is a spiritual condition that everyone desperately needs. And here he is again saying, look, consecrate this moment and consecrate your hearts. Like, is there a need right now that you're building your life on? You're trying to fulfill this, but really what is pointing to you have a desperate need for a Savior. To surrender your life to Jesus. And of course, in John chapter 10, Jesus would even say, look, I am the gate. I'm the gate for the sheep. And we know that the scriptures even say that Jesus was a lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Look, even here, at church, look, the vision had purpose. And it was pointing to our greatest need that we need a savior. And the people taking this step show, at least in this moment, man, we want to build, like, we want to honor God. We want to move our hearts back toward him. Look, the vision had purpose. But see, the vision right here also made it personal for the people. Look, when we see vision and action coming together, there's something about actually making it Personal. They actually cared about what was going to happen. Now, do this for me, church, okay? Answer this question for me by show of hands. How many of you have ever helped somebody move before, like move their stuff from another house, from out of their apartment, like another location? Okay, you know, most people probably have. Now, I want you to also answer this question. Okay, remember, you are in church and If you lie, you'll get a flat tire on the way home today. How many of you have ever been helping somebody move and then you drop something, and you're like, whoops. But then you think, this ain't really my stuff. Like, it's all right. How like, many of you have ever thought that before besides me? And the rest of you guys are liars. Like, I thought that all the time. Like, I mean, I don't want to drop their stuff, but if they do. I'm like, oh, this is not mine anyway. And look, there's something about when you're further away from something, the less you care about it. But the closer you are, the more you actually care the more you actually want to invest in it. And like we see here that for the people, it was personal. Look at verses 28 through 30 in Nehemiah chapter three. It says, look, above the horse gate, the priest repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Emir, repaired, opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shakananiah, the keeper of the East Gate repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shalemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaph, repaired another section. And after him, Meshulam, the son of Barekiah, repaired opposite his chamber. Look, this was personal for the people. It was right there in their neighborhood. Look, the people actually cared about what was happening in their neighborhood. Their region, about their friends and family that were right there. And at least in this moment, in this godly commissioning of vision, man, they even cared about the reputation of God. Like this was personal for them. But see, the vision also led the people to pay a price. Look, it would take their time. It would take their talent. It would take their treasure to get these walls rebuilt. Look, we see in this passage, and what we're going to see again, continuing over the next couple of weeks, when we see the work actually in process, when we see the opposition they're going to face, we're going to see it took their time, their talent, their treasure, their effort, as they were prioritizing actually carrying out this kingdom agenda. Church, if we are going to build God's kingdom, if we're going to be about his kingdom agenda, if we are going to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ, I hope you know that there is purpose in it, that there is kingdom purpose in it. I hope you know that you have to make it personal, but I hope you know it also means that we're going to have to pay a price. And with that being said, Pastor Sean, who's our overseeing elder here at Coastal and our senior pastor, I wanted to take a moment today and we as lead pastors across every campus wanted to take a moment and talk about, man, what God is calling our church to do and how right now we can take this vision, pour some fuel on it. And move it to action.